And there we go, everyone. We are back again for another... Yeah, it's another fantastic conversation on Friday Night Counter-Attack. We are very happy, some of us. We are very sad, some of us as well. And it is quite bad because it's snowing everywhere in the United Kingdom this week. So even if I want to go to watch a film or if I want to go get, uh, grab a 7-Up, Salim, I can't actually go and do that because I'll be just trench i'll be in the trenches right now and i've heard all the seven jokes in the world these last few days and i don't blame everyone for doing it um but i did warn everyone and i have said consistently over the season we are not title challengers manchester united we are not going to win that much if we win anything like a trophy this season it will be a bonus and i've said time and time and time again this squad does need strengthening in depth because we don't have it we will talk about Manchester United later when we do have another special guest joining us. Uh, Salem, it's good to see you again, my friend, but I'm going to introduce our special guest, number one. Um, you know what, Sonny? I'll let you introduce yourself because I don't want to do you any disservice. Why are you a special guest to us, Sonny? I don't know. I mean, it's not like I've turned up on one of uh, Friday Night Counter-Tracks, you know, vlogs when he went to the Man United. Uh, who was he playing? Leeds, was it? Leeds. Yeah, 2-2 yeah. draw. But listen... Absolute pleasure to be on. The name Sani, otherwise known as that sports guy, covering all his sport, of course. Man United fan as well. Go to a lot of Man United games. Seen Friday Night Counter-Attack there a few times as well. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And once again, thank you for having me on. I mean, this guy is an absolute gentleman. I mean, he's humbled himself more than I thought I would as well. I mean, he talks about everything from boxing to cricket to rugby to football. If you are looking for daily sports content, there's no better person that I can see um, than Sonny, the sports guy that isn't getting paid a wage to do it because you see so many people doing it freelance, but you're doing it out of the, the love of your heart and the love of the games. I think it's fantastic. And I'm always happy to be involved in any of these conversations as well, just not so much about Manchester United, <laughs> which we'll get on to later on as well. But yeah, um, I do love how Sonny refers to me as Friday Night Counter-Attack mostly because it is the name of our podcast. I should really just change my name to Hamza. But it is what it is. Um, so, so sometimes I don't want to say the first name because I'm like, I don't know if he's allowed to use his government name sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, you know? the government name is always a thing. I'm always, that's, why, that's why I never call Sal his government name just in case he gets caught one day. And then like his, his office are like, is this you? He's like, no, that's not me. That's someone else. <laughs> that's me. I'm not that deluded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Salim, how have you how have you been this week? You've been on the other end of the stick for us as well, so I'm I'm bet I'm betting you're enjoying this week so far. How's it going? Nah, you know, um, the thing is, like last week, I don't know if you listened to the podcast last week, Sally, but I was the one that was actually saying, you know, it could get something from the game, minimum being a draw, and I said most likely they'd win two one. So I, I was sort of shocked watching the game. I watched it with quite a few people, and goals just kept going in every time Liverpool attacked. It looked like they were going to score. Um, United looked really weak in that middle third, getting the ball from sort of full back into midfield. Harvey Elliott, surprisingly, somebody that I didn't rate as much, to be honest, before the game and now was quite impressed with him. And yeah, they just ran right at Gakpo and Nunes. But yeah, that's that's it for United now. I, I, I think the main thing for them is how they bounce back in the next Prem game. If they sort of go behind or if there's sort of negativity there, it feels like it could linger on and ruin the season. I still think you can still get top four. Newcastle have obviously fallen off quite a bit. Liverpool should aim to get top four as well. So with yourself, Man City uh, and Arsenal and Liverpool, that will probably be the top four, I think. And that's our main uh, talking point so far as well in the Premier League. Who will make the top four this season? Because Liverpool are surely but uh, slowly but surely creeping up um, onto this top four list as well. And Chelsea recently was won their game against Leeds United as well. So it's going to show there, Sani, that I'm kind of thinking, is the top four race not 
as straightforward as we expected, really, because a couple of weeks ago, it could have been a shoe-in for Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle, Man United, all four of them just rotating around. But um, what's your thoughts on this at the moment, Sonny? Yeah, no, I think it's a really tight race at the moment. It kind of reminds me of a couple of seasons ago when everyone thought that Leicester were going to make the top four and then it came to the last game of the season and they lost. Obviously, I think, I think it was the Spurs at home and then, yeah. yeah, they bottled top four. And I think this year, a lot of teams have, you know, and a lot of fans as well have thought, yeah, Newcastle are going to make fourth. But what I would say is Newcastle remind me of Aston Villa back in the... Uh, 2007-8, which I mean, Saul obviously you remember quite fondly under Martin O'Neill, had a great side, had the likes of Downing, Young, Agbon Lahore, Gareth Barry, Milner, great side. But when John it came Carew. To it, John Carew, big John Carew from uh, Leon, I think he came from. Had a great side, but when it came to it, they didn't have enough depth. And I think Newcastle have had the same issue. They just don't have enough depth. And when you have, you know, the trusted teams of Liverpool, especially who you know, if they go on a run, they'll be there. Like, do you remember a couple of seasons ago when they won on the last day of the season against West Brom, Allison with that header? Something similar could happen for them this season where it comes down to the wire and they just have that little bit of know-how that will get them into the top four. But it's going to be an intriguing race. It's going to be one of them three. My money's on Liverpool, but I'd love it if Spurs made it because who wants Liverpool making top four? I mean, Liverpool, are, if, if they ever have... Yeah. Yeah, tongue-tied today. It's what happens when Man United get drugged 7-0. <laughs> Don't really want to speak publicly, but that's the case, unfortunately. Now, Liverpool right now, I think they're only three points behind Tottenham. Um, with 42 points, Tottenham and 45 points as well. Liverpool are fifth, Tottenham are fourth as well. Tottenham are kind of falls through that this kind of edge as well. So that's why I think with that 7-0 win, it's more than just a statement to Manchester United. It's a statement to the rest of the world, mm. from what I can see, from Liverpool Football Club saying, we're not done yet. We're not finishing just yet. We're only getting started with this new front three that we have with Darwin Nunes um, turning up Cody Gapko like Salem said turning up as well and we predicted it before the start of the World Cup I would say Salem we said about how Cody Gapko is a player to watch out for this season whether he does go to Man United whether he does go elsewhere he was someone that I thought would be uh, he was just causing havoc really and unfortunately for me who was gassing him up for the whole beginning of the season he dunked on us at Anfield what, what's your kind of thoughts on the uh, top four, Salem? You reckon Liverpool have got this, or is it going to be another topsy turvy kind of end to the season? We've got, what, I think, I think it will be. I think it will be Liverpool, but there will be some more like twists to come. Uh, mm. It's like I mentioned Spurs last week, how they sort of lose every week, but are still top four somehow. Um, but I agree with what Sani was saying in terms of um, the squad depth of Newcastle and uh, relating that back to Villa because I, I clearly remember what used to happen. Uh, O'Neill used to like sort of use the fewest players in the league. We wouldn't sign anyone in Jan. We'd sort of go the season using like like literally the same eleven every week, same formation, same tactic, same personnel, maybe change one person after every seven or eight games. And we had this record that in the four years in the Martin only, we, we didn't win a game in Feb or March or something. Yeah. It, it, like, I remember we used to be nine points, we used to be fourth, nine points, we used to be fifth, uh, third, sorry, at times, and we'd be fourth and then nine points clear of Arsenal in fifth. And then we just wouldn't win a game for like six, seven games across Feb and March because it was just pure burnout, which it looks like, and, you know, just lack of ideas, but that's where the, the teams that have that know-how, like you are mentioning, and they've got that strength and they've done it before and they've got the stronger heads and the rotation and players coming back, new signings. That's where they really come into the mix and then help propel them up the league. So it looks like for Liverpool, like Nunes and Gakpo, you know, Gakpo being new signing, but Nunes is starting to hit form. And a lot of other players in there that are finding form might be injured and coming back into it. Konate so, is a big one for me. Yeah, how he bossed yeah, that he bossed that attack mm. from Man United as well. And we've only seen Konate and Van Dijk as a back four or partnership, I should say 
um, for, I think five times in the Premier League this season. And if that's their first choice partnership going forward, that is going to be quite scary for Liverpool because I was was kind of there like, Woot Weghorst isn't doing anything against this. And you're seeing Rashford go past him all the time, offside, offside, offside. Konate has the pace um, to drop back with any uh, striker in the league as well, from what I've seen. We've seen them do it at the World Cup. We've seen Van Dijk kind of teaching him the mental side of the game as well. But what I can see now, I'm, I don't want to say it's between Tottenham, Newcastle and Liverpool, but there are a few other teams in and about there that could sneak in the top four. We're talking about Fulham, we're talking about Brighton, maybe even Brentford as well. I'm not going to say Chelsea. Chelsea may be a bit too much so far. Um, but we never really see it, do we, Sally? We never really see that surprise top four um, person. Like we said uh, earlier, Sani as well. Leicester City, they could have done mm. it, but they didn't. So um, from either of you, Sani, we'll start with you, actually. Is there going to be a surprise on the top four? Is it going to be a shoe in between Tottenham, Liverpool and Newcastle? And I personally think Man United could be in that top four race still. I think a couple mm. of bad results could drop them down. What do you think, I mean, I mean, you've obviously, you've mentioned Van Dijk and Cody Gakpo. I know you've got the Dutch shirt on, but, you know, I don't think we need to go Dutch on this one because I'm going to go Spurs or Liverpool, really. I can't see Newcastle making it. I think it's going to be one of them. They've got the experience. But just going back onto what Sal was saying in terms of Spurs, the crazy stat going into that game was the fact that Wolves have never actually beaten Spurs at home. This weekend happened and boom, record gone. So it goes to show that this top four race, like Sal said, will have twists and turns. But I just think, you know, I know you mentioned Fulham, Brentford, like Brentford won that derby, big win for them. Brighton always game, spend a derby. But I just think when you have a manager like Klopp, and if you look at Spurs, when you have a player like Harry Kane, those are the sort of players and managers, right, that will get you into the top four, into that upper echelon. And I just think when it comes down to the thicker things, when the pressure's on, when it's on the, you know, gas mark seven, you want someone like Liverpool or Spurs there. And that's where I think it's going to come down to. Now, I, I'm not sure with, in terms of fixture list, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure if they've got a game coming up between those two sides, but that could be an absolute barnstormer if they do face each other later on in the season. I mean, Liverpool's next away game in the Premier League is Manchester City. Then they've got, yeah, Liverpool's next run-up is Manchester City away. Then they've got uh, Chelsea away. Then they've got Arsenal at home. Then they've got Leeds away. So Liverpool have got all their big fixtures coming up. And then at the end of April, they've got a home game against Spurs. So they've literally literally gone from beating Man United 7-0. They've got Real Madrid away coming up. And then the hard games continue for Liverpool as well. I mean, not so hard against Man United, but harder games uh, coming up in the Premier League but, as well. But I think with that game, you know, the games they've got coming up, that 7-0 that they had over us is going to be the reason why I think they'll be going into this game with confidence as opposed to, you know, worrying that, oh, okay, our defence has been great. Like, going into that Man United game, they kept four clean sheets in a row. Now, they obviously, they kept five. In the last 20 league games before then, they kept only five clean sheets. So clearly the defence is working, like you mentioned earlier, with Canate, for example. But going forward as well, Nunez obviously got two goals. The confidence he's going to get from that game is going to be insane. Everyone was calling him Punez before, but now, you know, there's going to be big issues for a lot of teams because he already had the movement going forward for him and he definitely had the instinct. He just needed the goals. He's got mm. a couple of goals now. He's going to be on fire. And I think going into those games, like I said, there'll be confidence for Liverpool. I mean, four tough games. I mean, I mean, Leeds probably not, but, you know, three tough games. I can see that them coming away with six points from those games, but we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. Salim, what's your thoughts was, on it? Yeah, I was actually just going to say the same thing. Like, going into the Liverpool game uh, against United, you'd probably say that it was the first time where United were probably the better team going into the game in maybe the past five or six years or something. I yep. don't know, maybe less, maybe maybe four years or so. But it was the first time where you actually thought, you know, uh, you know what, 
Um, Liverpool don't look favourites this time. It looks like it probably will be United. And the fact that they went into it, sort of, I'd say a bit of like the underdog, haven't had the best of seasons, but recent form has been quite good. Although that goes out of the window when it comes to a game like this. And yeah, they just purely turned up and the amount of confidence they'll get from this will help them throughout the course of the season. You've seen like some of the comebacks in the Champions League as well before, meaning that they can go to Real Madrid and they can do it. But it might be one of them where maybe maybe getting knocked out in the Champions League probably would be beneficial for them uh, in a sense that they can just focus on the league after that. But then again, it could be a, it could be the trophy that Liverpool want to win this season as they're obviously not going to win the title and the Carabao's already gone too. And the so, yeah, well, yeah, FA Cup. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But the fact that they could put a result like that down and they've just got enough time as well. If it was in the last five games of the season, you'd think it's a bit uh, too little, too late. But with them got like, you know, was it 14 games or so left? They definitely uh, fancy the chances to get in that top four now. Yeah, absolutely. And one, obviously, one player that we haven't really spoken about yet is the Egyptian king, Mohamed Salah. We do have to talk about him because there has been a conversation coming up this week. I mean, for Mohamed Salah, 25 appearances this season, 11 goals this season as well. He is looking like his old self. And I think it's just worked really, really well for him because a lot of people going on about his his contract demands and his issues and he got his new contract in the end as well when people are like, oh, it's not the same without Mane. I think he's just bedding into this new attack and this new system without the likes of Wijnaldum that was back there as well, without Thiago who was the, who's been injured this season as well. He's getting used to it and is working really, really well. And he did demolish us as well. And I, I'm going to throw the question to both of you. Start bench cell, African edition, Oof. not in a racist way. <laughs> Didier Drogba, Mohamed Salah, Yaya Torre. Who are the, out of the, this is my opinion anyway, who are the best free African players that I've seen in the Premier League? Who's start, who's bench, and who's sell? Sani, Sani, we'll go with you first. Um, I'm Let's probably going to start, he's going to come back to buy, but I'll probably start Didier Drogba. The only reason I'd start him is him, because this is just for one game, right? That's all you're talking about, for one game. Yeah. Him in big games, Drogba is your man. Cup finals, whatever. He would always turn up he wouldn't have to worry about the occasion. He'd always turn up. Now, I know people are going to look at his stats, especially when it comes to the Premier League now. I don't think he ever... I think he only cleared 20 goals, I think, twice in his career when he was at mm. Chelsea, which isn't for great showing. But in the big games, you know Didier Drogba would be there. He'd cause a nuisance and he'd be an issue. So let's start with him. In terms of bench, this is going to be a tough one. But I would go with Yaya Toure. The only Ooh. reason... The only reason I would go with Yaya Toure is this... Mohamed Salah is definitely an underrated player. I'm not denying it. 129 goals in the Premier League. He's hit, what, 20 goals in all competitions for the sixth consecutive season now for Liverpool. Insane stats. In terms of output, he's unbelievable. He probably does start in a lot of excise when it comes to Premier League all-time excise. However, as a player, Yaya Toure just had everything and he'd bring a lot more for me to the game than Salah would. It's like for ages, people had the whole Salah-Hazard comparison. And I think how you'd best describe it is Salah would have more output than Hazard, but as a player, Hazard would offer more. Now, I think in this occasion for me, I would obviously choose Yaya on the bench only because he has the better qualities as a player as opposed to Salah. But listen, if you went Salah, I wouldn't begrudge you because he's the Egyptian king after all. Salim, what were you saying? Um, yeah, 
like you said about Drogba being the clutch in the big game, something I definitely agree with. Big part of how Chelsea played, relative unknown when Mourinho brought him in, and he saw and he said that judging on his last kick for Chelsea, and you know his last kick pretty much won the Champions League on that shootout. But um, and then he returned back for a season. <laughs> he still, he still, he still <laughs> scored against Man United. He still <laughs> scored against Man United, and he still won another title with them as well. So he was never back for once. He's back for two. I think it was Phenom. two. Two more trophies, or was it one more trophy? I think it's two more. League Cup and the Premier League he won. He won the double, yeah. They beat yeah, Spurs yeah. in the final that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Drogba was never done at Chelsea. So he's probably going to come back as a manager sometime soon. You never know with Didi. Um, yeah, Torre again, you know, complete footballer. Uh, he sort of got frozen out by Pep at the end, but the amount of goals he got that one season with assists, you know, he's definitely up there. But for me, start Salah. Um, I read somewhere, actually, that Mo Salah's got more goal contributions than Rashford this season in the league. He does, he does. Yeah. Is, you know, but it's quite surprising the amount that people are talking about Rashford and sort of talking negatively about Salah when end of the day he's had another like great season numbers-wise. Salah, Salah's hard. ceiling is like there from what we've seen and Rashford's ceiling's there but we're seeing Rashford there for the first time for like three years I'd say probably on the like, second season social I'd say Sani and we're mm. seeing we're seeing Salah there at Rashford's level. Salah's like actually, um, I actually saw a funny name for Rashford um, on Twitter. Oh, as God. You know, as as he, so he was, uh, he was saying Salah's got more contributions than uh, Purple Patchford. Purple Patchford. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's one for my collection. Uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was that good, but yeah. Um, yeah, so yes, as I was saying, Salah again, great footballer and top Liverpool goal scorer now as well um, mm. against United. And yeah, I do agree that he is underrated to an extent. And um, you know, he's won every he's come here, he's won everything, being that Chelsea reject, rebuilt his career, came back and won everything. So for me, he's definitely a start. Um, clutch player. He scored against Man City so many times, scored against United so many times in these big games. So he's start. Torre would be bench and drop, but unfortunately we have to be selfish. Ooh. Mine would be I don't know. I think it probably goes I'm not sure. Maybe I'll go start Yaya Torre because he's one of the most dominant midfielders I've ever seen in the Premier League. Mm. Bench DDA Drogba. Again, the, the the cup final specialist besides 2008 in Moscow. Uh, I love it, Sani, as well. And then um, uh, bench Mohamed Salah because he's a Muslim guy that celebrates Christmas. And we don't like that. <laughs> Every year, without fail, Mohamed Salah put a Christmas tree up. It's like, you don't celebrate it. Why are you, what are you doing? I'm pretty sure in a couple of years, I saw something ages ago on Twitter whereby Christmas and Eid would be on the same day. So, yes. you know, he'll be celebrating both I things on that day so, yeah. it will be doing I, know, that, I think that, that would be a good day it'll be, double, it'll be doubly good for Mohamed Salah's family double presents <laughs> I love it um, but that thing you mentioned about Drogba in the cup final he got sent off didn't he did he slap Vidic yeah slap Vidic yeah. I, I do sort of think back to think what if he just kept his head he was somebody that he could wind up but imagine he kept his head mm. if he kept his head he would have taken that fifth penalty that John Terry took five, and he would have yeah. won Chelsea would be three times champions that's how I see it it's but, the I think, I think I think just a quick one with Salah though honestly I mean if you look at his European record as well he's got what 42 and 69 or something like that or 65 sorry it's unbelievable record in terms of output numbers he is a machine a well, well-oiled machine but I just think sometimes you've got to look at the player's ability I'm not saying he's crap because he's not but Yaya Torre for me was just exceptional man I think Sal obviously mentioned it you've mentioned it I think he got like 20 goals and 12 assists in the 13-14 season. A couple free kicks as well. Unbelievable. First season for Pellegrini as well. Such a technically gifted and powerful player. Like he was all over that Unreal. 
unreal. You, the fact, you, you know, honestly, and Salim and I have spoken about this as well. When when we see uh, black players being described as technical, it's not very often by mainstream media. It's born by fans that see it. And that's really insulting to see because he was one of the most technically gifted footballers, midfielders Agreed. that I've ever seen as well. Agreed. And it's really, really annoying how people are like, oh yeah, he was a beast. He was a powerhouse. So that no, he could play around you with one eye closed and one arm behind his back. Unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. Absolute gem. Uh, one last question on Mohamed Salah. Where does he stand for you guys in terms of Premier League greatness? Is he a Premier League legend by now? Or, yes. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he is. He is. I mean, let's be honest. People might say he's only won one league title, but Alan Shearer only won one league title. He's got 260 league goals. I mean, yeah, Salah doesn't have 260. He's got 129. But the fact that he's a winger, you know, having that amount of output and he's got no, a league no, title. No penalties well. as well. No yeah, penalties. no penalties as well. So he's got that Cole Kareem Benzema thing going as well with no penalties. Unbelievable. Like, just look at his numbers, you know, because if, if you did an XI, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many players that have a better case than Salah in terms of output, you know, on the right wing, for example. Mm-hmm. It's crazy how Mohamed Salah just came back. And just like Salim said as well, he came back after being a failure at Chelsea, being rejected by Mourinho, being rejected mm. by that Chelsea team and coming back in. And I see this all the time with Chelsea. And we spoke about it a few times this season already about how Tomori would have been a perfect sign for Chelsea. They're linked with Tammy Abraham again. Mohamed Salah, looking at all these right wingers that they've had to buy to replace someone. If he stayed at Liverpool... Um, if he said at Chelsea, sorry, would he have become the player? Probably not. But mm. the fact that he's gone off and done his bits at Roma came back. Uh, uh, not, uh, yeah, it was Roma, wasn't it? Not Fiorentina. Yeah, Roma, Roma. Roma, and then going back to Liverpool. Crazy to see. Um, really good signing from Mohamed Salah um, as well. See, I told everyone who'd be listening that I'm not going to be all bitter about Man United. That comes later, uh, which will be good. <laughs> Right, everyone. Uh, team of the week, we are going to be discussing the... Well, we talk about Mohamed Salah, so we're going to stick to the theme of African players in the Premier League. So we're doing a five-a-side each, um, which will be good fun. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. So, Sani, the main kind of thing is you have to pick players. Well, it's the goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, striker, and your wild card, which will go first as well. But you have to pick players who you think would make a good five-a-side team in your side. Quite easy. And you can't pick someone who's picked who you picked already. Uh but someone else has picked already, which is a yeah, thing. Sure, sure. I'll let you go first. So pick anyone you want and it has to be from any team in the Premier League era. So it's okay. not gonna be it's not gonna be glamorous like the last couple of weeks that we've done it. It's gonna be a bit nitty gritty trying to find these players. No, of course, of course, of course. I think it's gonna be quite hard because I think keeper wise, anyone I can't think of I can think of at the top of my head. Oh, there's two. I'd probably go Edward Mendy in goal, but Shout Ali Al Habsi back at Wigan. What an absolute G. He's from my man. What? Oh, God, that's a bit yeah. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, some people will say Egypt's not part of Africa, but listen, that's a whole political argument, which we do. We're not, we're not a political podcast here. We're a sporting podcast. Let's go with Edward Mendy in goal. Okay, centre backs. We're going to go back to centre back afterwards because we're going to go straight yeah. to the midfield. We're going to go straight to the midfield and go Yaya Toure in the middle. Mm. Um, another midfielder. He's so good. They named him twice. JJ Akocha. All right. Pure flair. Five aside, dominant. And then up top, let's just go with this guy because I love watching him as a kid. Proper number nine. Feed the yak and he will score Yakubu up top. I'm glad I think you won every nation. That would have been crazy. Um, well, you got Nigeria. Then yeah. you've got Ivory Coast. You've got well, he's another Nigerian. Yeah. And, and, you, then, and you left out Mohamed Salah as well, which is crazy. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I did. Um, right, so at the back, I forgot one more player. I forgot my centre-back. Who are you going to go for? Joel Matip. I'll figure I just thought for... someone. 
go inside them. You do it in the same process. So do your best five aside. We're not competing against one another, so you can pick whoever you want. So goalkeeper to striker, who are you going for? Uh, it's it's going to have to be Edouard Mendy, obviously. It's just the best keeper. It's rather him or Bruce Gobbler. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Carly Kime, probably. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that him? I never knew that. All right, carry on with that. Sorry. So I think Birmingham, though, but... Like, you, nah, you don't like Birmingham. Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> um, in um, in defence, who would I go for? Uh, probably Colo Torre. That's a shout. Good man. So, uh, in defence, and I'm going to... Yeah, I'll go for I'll go for Torre. And then mm. in midfield, I'll go with Sien. Oh, Oof. you bust. Oof. Oof. S- so, you're not, you're not going for a Chelsea player then in your attack? That's mad. No, Sien and, and Torre. Yeah, yeah, Torre. Oh, okay, that's fair. They get the Tory brothers in, and then up top, probably have to go with Salah. That's almost that's almost close to mine. So uh, Mendy in goal, I'm going. Oh, for. Could, could I change one actually? Yeah, change it. Go, you I'll know what, Salah? Tore, you can I'll take Tory out. I'll take Tory out. Colo uh, because of the uh, confusion, and mm. uh, I'll put Sien in defence, and I'll put Mares in there. Jeez. Okay. 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 Now, now you're now you're doing it. I right mean, way. last time you put Sien in the defence, I mean, you'll remember this uh, Friday night counter attack. Uh, Ronaldo ripped him a new one in Moscow, and that's when he won the Champions League. Raheel, who's just joined, will remember that night very, very well, uh, which is good fun. How you doing, Raheel? Good to see you, my friend. Been a while. He's on mute. He's on mute. <laughs> He's on mute. There we go. Yeah. Can you hear me? It's been a while. How you been? Not bad, not bad. I'm say apologies. I'm late. First of all, I'm gonna go ahead and blame the snow, just like everyone is currently. Don't worry, we blamed on the snow already. We're good. That we it's all good. It's all good in that way. We're just doing our African five aside, so seeing who can make the best five aside with one player per club as our limit. So I'll go for my one now. So Edward Mendy in goal, because again, gotta pick a Chelsea player in there. Um I'm gonna go for this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna go for Riyad Mahrez, Leicester Riyad Mahrez. For the sake of it, I'm going to go Jeez. for Liverpool Mohamed Salah. I'm going to go for Southampton Sadio Mane. And I'm going to go for Yaya Toure. No, no. I'm not going to go for Sa- no, I'm not going to go for Southampton Sadio Mane. That's a cheat. I'm going to go for JJ Okocha and I'm going to go for Yaya Toure. That's my five-a-side. Because again, you can't have a five-a-side with African players <laughs> without JJ Okocha because he would absolutely, absolutely annihilate you as well. But shout out to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I do like him. I did like him at Arsenal as well. Not so much at um, Chelsea. Didn't really like him at Chelsea as well. Anyone put Drogba in? It's your choice. You can do how you want it. So I'm everyone's saying, doing their own. Any, I was saying, has anyone put him in? I don't think so. You're not going for Drogba as a as a five-a-side player. What do you think, Rio? Do you reckon he'd do it at I, goals? I'd have, I'd have put him in. Go on, do your five-a-side. One um, player. Um, player. Put me on the spot from a goal just from the top of my head now without thinking about it too much. It's because we picked Edward Meddy yeah. as our Chelsea player. That's why I've been going for Drogba um, in that kind of thing. Yeah, now, neither you said that I was going to say Mendy in gold. So now I have to think of a completely different goalkeeper, which probably, <laughs> which probably isn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, I'll probably, yeah, let's just go Mendy in gold then. Um, defender, I'm going to put Eric Bailly in there. Why, man? What a shout. I, I, just forgot, think, I forgot I about Eric as well. He's a, he's a complete madman. He's good with his ball at his feet. And I think on a five-a-side pitch, he'll just be completely unpredictable. It'd be, it'd be crazy on there as well. Didn't Aston Villa have like a, a centre-back like that as well? Salah. Was it a Corey that you had once upon a time? Yeah, but he wasn't as crazy as Eric Bailly is. <laughs> he had a bit of craziness about him, but no, not like Eric Bailly. Bailly's quite unorthodox, isn't it? That's probably the best way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Nice shout there. I, f- f- I completely forgot about Eric Bay. Go on, yeah, it. Go, go ahead. There, the middle, it'd have to be, I'd say, Yaya Torre and. This is a tough one, isn't it? I don't really know who else, who else I can put in. I obviously say Essien, but I've put Mendy in. You've got a Kocha, you've got a Adebayor, if you want to go that desperate. You've got Steven. A Kocha is a very good shot. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd probably put a Kocha there with got, uh, Yaya Torre in the middle. You had Thomas Partey to choose from. You had uh, Stephen right. Pienaar to choose Thomas, from as well. Thomas Partey's never making my team. Tony Yeboa. Tony Yeboa. <laughs> George Weyer once upon a time. That that's a shout. good shot. And then, yeah, if I can't pick Drogba up top, it's going to have to be Mohamed Salah, isn't it? Mohamed Salah. We were just talking about him being an all-time Premier League great. Do you reckon you'd agree with that by now? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, as, as much as I uh, dislike him playing for Liverpool, I'd, I'd agree with that. Nicely done. That's all good. And um, whilst you're here, let's talk straight about what we've been delaying about all podcasts because of you, really, Rahil. Uh, Manchester United right now. I said that at the beginning of the podcast that we may be slumming into a top four race even though we're only a couple of points above uh, Tottenham in fourth I wanted to hear your first uh, first thoughts on Ericsson Hag this season I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on how the team have improved and where they can improve for the rest of the season before going on to the summer break what do you think yeah. starting with Eric Ten Hag I don't think there's a single person in football that would have thought this guy's going to come in and do as good a job as what he has and I think with him doing so well it's kind of made people forget a bit about how much of a bad place we were in last season mm-hmm. under like under Ralf Ragnick and probably not mostly his but him to blame but the players there wasn't a single player that looked like he wanted to play for Manchester United there was only one Anthony yeah. Alanga yeah. and then he wasn't even but, that good yeah but he, he looked like one of our best players and he's an example if you look at it this season with the rest of the team stepping up Alanga's not even getting a, a chance to start or even come off the bench in games Mm. Um, so yeah I think he's really turned it around especially having a tough start um, at Brighton and Brentford um, there was a lot of people obviously hot on him we know how the English media is as well it's probably one of the m- most crit- critical media teams like in the whole of Europe if not the world and uh, I think he's come out of it good um, this weekend obviously we know it was a very very bad one um, probably the worst team we could lose to and seeing how bad we did lose to them um, really was a dagger to the heart we've had a couple of days to recover but really and truly you can't really get over over a defeat like that after quite some time the best way to overcome that is to finish the season with a couple of trophies now we've won the Carabao Cup we're, we're in running for the um, FA Cup and the Europa League in regards to the Premier League, um, I've always been one to say I don't think we were ever in a title race. And the only way we were ever going to be in a title race was if Man City and Arsenal drop off, which clearly isn't going to happen. Man City have been a bit inconsistent, but Arsenal went from strength to strength. Like they win against Bournemouth on the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, scoring a last minute winner. Like we've all seen title races in the past. And uh, yeah, we've seen they're the kind of goals that we need the title. So yeah, I, I think it's between Arsenal City. I can't see us getting anywhere near them towards the end. There probably will be a decent gap between them. But what we really can do is kick back on um, and bring the form that we've had before this Liverpool game. Now the Liverpool game is a bit of a weird one because I'm a firm believer when you have a result like that, well, not as bad, but losing to Liverpool in the run we've had. Like if we had lost 2-3-0, I probably would have said, you know what, 
let's not read into it too much. But it's because it's 7-0. It's grabbed the attention of everyone. And everyone's kind of saying, okay, is this where United are going to drop off? But this is this now is where we see how good this team is under Eric Ten Hag and how good Ten Hag is as a manager. You've got thumped by your rivals. How are you going to come back from that? And obviously there's a famous saying, it's not about how you get knocked down, it's about how you get back up. And it's, 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 that's, this is where the test is now for Ten Hag and these players. Um, so yeah, we've got Betis tomorrow. Let's see what happens then. And then obviously a big game against Southampton on the weekend. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to ask um, both yourself, Rahil and Sani as well. We are looking at um, potentially a current ownership change at Manchester United. We won't talk so much about it now. But if there was a chance of maybe you had one opportunity to change one player in this team or add one player to the team, from that game against Liverpool where we did lack quite a lot in different areas and different departments, Salim, you can join as well, by all means. Uh, it's all good. What position do you think Man United needs to strengthen the most? Is it a ball-playing centre mid? Is it a better quality right-back than we're kind of lacking with Wan-Bissaka and Dolo? Is it a number nine to actually finish these charges and stretch defences? Sani, let's start with you, my friend. Where are we going to go with this one? Because I've I've told you my thing loads of times over the season, so you know who I want as a first-choice signing uh, next summer as well. But who do you want, Sani? It's tough, man. It's either a ball playing centre mid, like you said, or a number nine. Personally, we are dying for a number nine. Um, whether that be Harry Kane or Victor Osherman, who's unbelievable young. Either way, we need someone as a focal point because as we saw in that game, Valvegor's definitely not the answer. Playing him as a flowing striker, number 10, just doesn't work. Rashford's not a striker. I don't know why people think it is. It was like a couple of seasons ago. I remember when everyone at the Arsenal thought Theo Walcott was a striker. It's like, no, he's not. He's more of a winger, really. Same with Rashford. He's a winger. That's where he affects the game most, especially cutting in. We need a striker. I'm not saying he's the reason why, you know, we'd have prevented losing 7-0. But let's say some of the chances that we did have, especially in the first half, fell to a number nine who's lethal. Could have been a different game. I'm not saying we would have definitely won the game or anything, but like I remember first half, we had a few chances. We scored that Bruno header, especially going wide. Exactly. Um, ball playing centre mid would be great, especially with someone just to dictate that tempo. Clearly, you can tell we've missed someone like Ericsson, who holds the ball, controls the game. We've missed it. I know you mentioned right back, but personally, I'm really surprised that Aaron Van Bissaka didn't actually play that game. I did a reel where I compared Aaron Van Bissaka and Dallo. I mean, I test wise, I think you can tell who's a better defender. If you look at statistics, statistically, Dallo isn't as better a defender as Aaron Saka. Now, if you know you're going to the cauldron at Anfield, you need someone who can defend, especially coming against Robertson, who you know is going to be bombing and overlapping all the time. He struggled. We could do with another right back, but for me, we need a striker ASAP. Yeah, there was a time when we went to Anfield, Rahil, where we played Ashley Young right back and then Diogo Dallo right mid because we were that afraid of Liverpool's attack on that left-hand side. And it was something that Eric Ten Hag really didn't... Um, uh, well, plan for really uh, and for this time around but do you agree with Sani do we need a number nine first and foremost or are we looking for somewhere else on the pitch I agree 100% I think we said this we all said this at the start of the season or even when we went on that kind of run that started when we beat Liverpool 2-1 at Old Trafford and we kind of got a few results together our home form has been amazing but we, I think we've all kind of said it as we've gone better and better that we still need a number nine to be able to compete with them at the top and I think you, you look overall in the team, I'd question the goalkeeping position, mm, the right-back position. I'd even question the left-back positioning, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, we, we could do with the ball playing centre-mid, like, like you said, because Ericsson has been a massive miss. And mm. er, what Ericsson did for us it, so far this season, it reminds me a bit of what Carrick used to do. He used Your to just, boy. Yeah, he used to keep the tempo flowing. <laughs> 
He used to just go under the radar with what he did. And we've only realized how good Ericsson was for us when when we've seen without him. Like I know Fred's come in, Sabitz has come in here and there. But with Ericsson, he was pretty much like a guaranteed starter for Ten Hag, and now we know the reason why. But yeah, it has to be that number nine position. I think Weghorst, I, I can't really be too critical of him because I think he was just like, nobody's ever going to say no to Manchester United, are they? And I think he's come in because Eric Tenog was desperate for options. The board didn't want to spend any money. And Eric Tenog thought probably the best person I can get on board is one who's going to run a lot for me up top. Now, Weghorst has been brilliant in some games. But then there has been games, on the other hand, where he just hasn't been effective at all. Um, no matter how much he's run, once the press gets beaten, it's like we're kind of wide open in the middle. And really and truly, the first thing you want from your number nine is to be putting chances away. And Bagos hasn't done that. Yes. What we need is, is a strike. And I think that is what will improve us the most, especially think- next season. I honestly think that's where we're missing it as well. Like, even if we're not taking Harry Kane as an example, if we're taking Ivan Tony's goals for the season into Manchester United's first team as well, that's getting us from third to second, maybe even third to first because of the lack of 15 goals that we've had. And we've all spoken about Anthony Martial in the past as well, about how he's always been a ghost for us. He's always injured. He's never really fit uh, for a run of games. And it's really, really annoying as a Man United fan um, to kind of see that as well and to kind of experience. But it goes to show that when you have to bring players in just to run, it shows it is quite desperate at Manchester United with the kind of attacking options that we have um, as well, unfortunately. Right, Salim, I did say I'd let you speak about Aston Villa, but I need to ask you one thing about Aston Villa before we move on as well. How much do you think um, Unai Emery is regretting joining Aston Villa and why? Well, not at all. And you can see how stressed out it is because he works... He's, lose, he's losing his black hair to white hair. That's what I'm seeing on yeah, the weekend. It's crazy. The way Aston Villa play are crazy. Absolutely crazy with you guys. Now he's working some long days and you can tell he's loving the project. Newcastle wanted him initially and he said no to them. Obviously, he was waiting for a big club and he got it. A big project, big, you know, with owners that are going to back him. So it's interesting to see where we finish this season. Not that it sort of matters too much now, but it's more for next season. And You said you're going to finish in Europe. Well, technically, yeah. Back it up then. Well, the UK is in Europe, so <laughs> technically we are finishing. Nah, I'm messing about. Oh, my days. I think, I don't know, like, we've, we've played well. We've stopped, like, you know, sort of bad run of form. We can keep clean sheets now as well. Uh, winning away from home. Winning playing out back. from the back as well, Aston Villa. Yeah, playing out from the back. A lot of fans are just booing. Like, the, the goal we scored the other day, the fans are booing, like, saying, go long, like, like why are we playing out from the back before? And we literally score from playing out from the back. So it's a bit like how you guys had it with Ten Hag. I mentioned this like every podcast now and how City had it with Pep. Like you are going to lose games, you are going to make mistakes, but that's just part of the process. And you can see, like look at Arsenal now, like this title run is based off the mistakes that they've made and how they rectified and got the right people in and, you know, being coached. So you can, t- you can tell that Unai enjoys coaching players, not just like just signing people. He does enjoy coaching. A bit like Ten Hag, they're like tactical managers and they can get the best out of what they're given, like they're kind of the type of managers that don't want to rely on like individual moments of brilliance, more more so like control of 90 minutes of a game and sort of winning through patterns of play, which is more sustainable as well, because you can't just expect, you know, Coutinho to score the yard every game. So yeah, it's, it should be good. Um, we've got a decent run in. At the moment, I, I feel like we can just beat anyone. You know, I, I, we don't need to go in with having loads of possession. We can, we can't play on the counter or whatever, but 
Yeah, I'm sort of looking forward to watching every game again now as well, which is always great as a Villa fan. I just feel like the fans just need to be more patient and allow the players to play out from the back. And that's why our away form has been a lot better because they've not had that pressure of the home crowd just demanding long balls and the home crowd like, you know, going on their back if they're not winning and stuff like that. So, Because with so Unai yeah, Emery as well, I wanted to kind of ask the guys as well, when you're looking at Chelsea Football Club, who are in exactly the same position at this moment in time with Graham Potter, do you reckon Chelsea would have been better going for Unai Emery than Graham Potter? Sonny, what do you think? I don't know. Like, it's a tough one. I mean, he did a good job at Villarreal. We all know at PSG, he had his issues, especially in the Champions League. Mm. But I don't know. I just think sometimes you need a fresh start. And I think Emery needed somewhere different, not just a, one of these big clubs. And I think Chelsea, especially with Bowley, I know you could say the same about Emery in the project, but I think they definitely wanted something long-term and Potter is the option, I think. I'm not saying he's a great manager compared to Emery. Emery's definitely achieved a lot more, but if you wanted a project, you wanted a fresh start. Chelsea clearly went for the right option, in my opinion, Potter. But it's a good question, to be fair. I mean, Emery probably would have done a good job with the players that they had, but the with Arsenal the connection as well. experience of different, of different uh, management, managers as well. You Emery is managing the Champions League level has mm. won a European Cup as well. You expect some of Chelsea who want to win cups all the time to go for someone like that in Unai Emery. Um, but obviously, Raheel, I wanted to ask kind of uh, your point of view on this as well. We obviously joke about with Salim all the time about Unai Emery, but are you kind of wary about Aston Villa kind of moving forward with Unai Emery to becoming a top six, top eight kind of side uh, with, with Unai Emery with, as a manager? With Unai Emery, being honest, I think Villa have hit the jackpot there and I think he's a very good manager. Look at and, Salim hiding his smile. Yeah, Look how I know, happy he is. Do, I know we do mess about with Salim, but honestly, they have. And I, I think Salim would probably agree with he's actually the best manager they've had in a long time. I now, agree. Best ever, probably best yeah. ever. You know, at the time, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I just wanted Tuchel or Pochettino thinking like Emery's like my third choice kind of thing. But now that we've got him 100%, I wouldn't change him for anyone. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the the best thing about Unai Emery and you've seen um, in Aston Villa is he'll bring organisation within the team straight away, like soon as he comes in, which he has done. And Villa... It's because it's his first season, there are still going to be inconsistencies. There is going to be that result where they might go away from home in a tough game and get three points, but then completely throw it away at home. And I think he's done a good job since he's come in. And football fans these days, as we all know, have become very impatient. It's similar to the Chelsea scenario. Quite a few of my friends sport Chelsea. I say the same thing to them. You need to give Graham Potts time. And I think with mm. Graham Potter, he's gone into a team where all the signings were made there before he even joined. And there were a lot of signings at Chelsea. Now, And so one thing that Potter's got to do when he comes in is have a look at who was there before, have a look at who's come in and he's got to work at his best 11. And I still don't think he has, but you can't criticise him for it as well. Because normally a new manager comes in, he's not walking into a squad where most of the players have already been there. This guy's walking into literally, it's like 50-50. That's a really good point. Sorry to cut you off, but when you're thinking about it, the ma the manager came in fresh, the owner came in fresh, half the team has come in fresh. So they're yeah. all learning about Chelsea Football Club together, yeah. which is crazy. It's like, yeah, it's like completely going and setting up a new football club really, isn't it? And Honestly. They've got so much expectation because an owner's come in, pumped in millions of pounds. You've got a manager who's been doing an absolutely fantastic job at Brighton. Like, I still believe Brighton are still doing this well because of the foundations Potter laid when he was there. Um, but yeah, I think it wouldn't have been good for Unai Emery to go into that because I don't think he would have worked. 
So I, I do think Unai Emery's got the right job because I think we've seen at Arsenal when Unai Emery kind of doesn't get what he wants. Like Unai Emery's a manager, you need to kind of leave him to it in regards to the team and the players he wants, you go get them and he'll deliver. He he stopped getting that at Arsenal and that's why it didn't work out and he left. But he's shown in Spain and it's not even just in the La Liga. He's gone and won European competitions. Like we're Man United fans, we know all about Unai Emery and how he sets up and how frustrating it can be to play against his teams. Um, but yeah, I think I really do think Aston Villa have hit the jackpot. They really do need to give Emery time. Um, and that's not even saying it's going to be next season. Like you need to give him this summer, summer window that comes, put some money into that team. Um, because that, I think it's Kamara, isn't it? The midfielder that he signed. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good Signed before, yeah. Free. Oh, so he was signed before, yeah. But, yeah. but that's why we didn't panic by in January last season because everyone knew we needed a defensive mid last January. Yeah. And the board just did buy one, and then again the fans obviously like saying like, "Oh, you knew you knew that we needed one, and you didn't buy one." And then obviously Kamara came, and then you know it's just complete. That's just how it always happens. So I, I feel like we've obviously needed a striker, winger kind of player, but I feel like we'll have at least one free agent signing, and I think we'll break the our transfer record, and I think we'll spend one fifty. That's my prediction. We're overdue a free agent podcast as we do every March, January, Salem. We have to go through all the free agents coming up for the summer. That needs to be that needs to be done as well. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Aston Villa can do under Uno Emery, like I say, every week. And it's good fun seeing Aston Villa playing a different type of football, uh, which is really good. Um, quick predictions for the Champions League tonight, and then we'll finish off with our Premier League preview as we've got Raheel and Sani on as well. Um, Sani, Bayern Munich or PSG? It's kicking off in two minutes. Who's winning tonight? Who's going through? Uh, I'm going by Munich. Um, I think PSG, the road ends here once again. Which I think Bayern are too good. Neymarless PSG as well. So it's going to be fun. I mean, they've definitely got Mbappe PSG, which he's the main threat, but I just think Bayern have got enough. Yeah, it's true. And Raheel, Tottenham versus AC Milan. Are we seeing a Tottenham comeback at, in North London today? Um, I can't see it happening. I think AC Milan will knock them out. Um, I really do. They haven't been the best in the league. Um, as they were last year and I think that's just because Napoli are just too good mm. got an answer for everything but I think AC Milan have had a decent Champions League campaign so far um, they've done well in the first leg too I think they'll they'll, yeah, they'll stick with it unless uh, Tottenham completely go and fluke it it would be very spursy to go like 2-0 up and then AC Milan get a, go- yeah. a goal or two take it to extra time and then they just went on penalties and in regards to Bayern PSG I think I'm going to go bold and I'm going to say PSG are going to wipe the floor with them. That's just because I get the feeling of Mbappe just turning up how he did against Barca a couple of seasons ago and he completely won the tie single-handedly at the new Camp. He's got um, that power to do that yeah, as well. So I think they, they were 1-0 down going into that second leg at the new Camp birthday. And yeah. He, completely, yeah, he completely wiped the floor with them. I think Mbappe just loves a big game. He loves mm. the Champions League. And I think whenever PSG have done well in the Champions League, it's been down to Mbappe stepping up. Um, and I, I, I know Messi's achieved every single thing he, he's literally had to in the sport. But I do think he really wants to be the one that wins PSG's Champions League because it's what it's similar to City. It's, it's all they need to win really now since they've had this ownership. Uh, well, these are new owners take over. And uh, I think, yeah, I think PSG will... Uh, what the floor them, but I could be wrong as well. <laughs> I'm, gonna gonna, say, I'm sounding like I'm sitting on the fence, but yeah, if M- if Mbappe is on it, I don't think they'll have an answer, have an answer for him. Nah, it's all good. And Salim, I wanted to ask you about yesterday's games: Chelsea versus Dortmund and Benfica versus Club Bruges. We'll start with Benfica. Um, to be fair, as well, because we have spoken about them quite a lot. Well, 
for ages we have as well. I never expected that coming from Benfica, winning 5-1 against Club Rouge. Scott Parker's been sacked from his job at Club Rouge. So going from Bournemouth to Club Rouge to being out of a job again, uh, unlucky for Scott Parker. But I had no clue that Benfica would just carry on without Enzo, Enzo Fernandez just like they did and win 5-1. And João Mario, who we all saw in the Premier League and we saw him at Inter Milan as well, being a mid midfielder in a way, having his best ever goal scoring season. So... Salim, do you reckon Benfica are the dark horse in the Champions League this season? Do you reckon they can actually get through like a sneaky way to the semi-final, final maybe? What yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like they can put a run together. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in the next rounds how, how they sort of cope. But it's like you mentioned about Enzo. So he's somebody I'd like, you know, not even come across before that much. I didn't obviously rate him that highly. And they've lost, the, you know, £100 million worth of player and they've, they, they don't look like they've worsened by any stretch. Mm. Um, the other game being Chelsea, I was actually surprised Chelsea went through. I thought they would have been knocked out. So that's some like relief for Potter. Um, today's fixtures, actually, I wanted to mention. I think I think PSG is going to do it. You know, Mbappe, like Raheel said, big game player, and with Messi there as well. Like you can see, like with them two up top, uh, he's just with Mbappe. He's he's a pure big game player. I know Neymar's missing, but he's someone he doesn't shy away from the big occasion for such a young lad as well. You do expect him to have sort of inconsistencies and bad games and, you know, not turning up kind of thing. But I've never, I've not really seen that from him. Like, no matter what. We do have to mention as well, this last weekend was the weekend where he became PSG's all-time leading Mm -hmm. goal scorer at 24 years old, which is unbelievable for Kylian Mbappe. So he he loves a big game, Kylian Mbappe does. But he just puts fear into defenders. And um, I know I mentioned this so many times, but I'd love to see him in the Premier League. I think that's the next step for him unless he ends up at Real Madrid which you know equally just a great opportunity for him there but I, I just love to see how he'd cope in the Prem I mean I bought him on my career mode so I may have to like share screen my PlayStation uh, with you Salim so you'll be able to see it as well um, but Sonia I wanted to ask you as well with Benfica they do have a striker called Gonzalo Ramos who scored mm. two very good goals yesterday and we were looking at a number nine early with Oshimen and Kane and Rahil you probably uh, you spoke about Ramos with me earlier um, the World Cup I think we were speaking about yes. Is he the answer for Man United? Do you reckon he could be the answer for 40, 50 million? Or do you reckon Benfica will do one of those where they do an 80, 90 million like Darwin Nunes and sell him mm. for longer? I think they could do that. I mean, if you look at their factory of players that they have, I think I saw an article on BBC Sport actually, I think it was today, about the, like, I think they've, they've got a £1 billion, I think, in terms of revenue over player sales over the last 10 years or so. You know, yeah. players like Di Maria came from there. So you mentioned Enzo Fernandez. Um, who else? Edison, Darwin Nunez, Edison, David Luiz, uh, Ruben Dias, right? So many quality players have come from there. And Goncalo Ramos is another one. I mean, that first goal that he got, unbelievable. The way he managed to somehow get... First, he dribbled past those players. I don't know how, because it was so tight. Then he got the shot off and it was a lethal finish because no keeper saving that. Unbelievable. And even for um, their first goal as well, the work that he put on the flank and then to get the ball into... Rafa Silva was great. Great finish by Rafa Silva, but I'll take Goncalo Ramos, but the question is, if you are bidding 80, 90 mil for him, then it might just make sense to go for Harry Kane. I mean, Harry Kane is probably, in terms of that striker, him and Benzema are probably the best when it comes to that profile of striker in the world. And you can't get Benzema and he's older. Go Harry Kane. Agree or disagree, Rahil? Um, I agree. <clears throat> I I've got question marks on Harry Kane, but the only reason why is because of it always comes to me of how many years has he got left, and do we want to be that club that goes and puts seventy to eighty million into him, 
and we have one good season and that's it. Like We saw that with Lukaku as well. Yeah, we we also seen it, and it does go on the radar, we've seen it with Robin Van Persie, like, yeah. but it was, it was only 26 million, but we went and spent on him and he won us number 20. And I think that's why he went under the radar. But after that, like, under the David Moises, we know everyone kind of didn't do well, but even under Van Gaal, we didn't, we've seen moments from Van Persie then, instead of him showing the actual quality. And I don't want it to be the same as Harry Kane. It's a lot more money as well. I've always been a fan of Harry Kane, but at the same time, I just think he's really silly for choosing to stay at Spurs. And and like... It, it Blind loyalty. Yeah, it doesn't make no sense to me. Like, you're a very good player, world-class striker. He could walk into pretty much any team in the world at number nine and he'll go get you 20 to 30 goals a season, without a doubt. Um, so I, I, I would completely take him. The only worry is... How many years do we get out of him at the top level? And I, I do truly believe if he was to come in next season and be our number nine, <clears throat> I think we could actually go challenge for the league. Obviously, you probably still need a couple of other positions to be sorted, but that's the main one, like we've all said. And I think with Harry Kane coming into that team, adding to the goals Marcus Rashford scores off the left, with them both already playing for England and having that kind of chemistry beforehand, I, I I really think he can put us in that position where we can go on go on and challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I think <clears> it's just literally that missing piece of the puzzle. And with all these strikers out there, we've said it before, Salem, haven't we? That there aren't many that great strikers, and that's why the prices are so high for quite a lot of them as well. Um, which is literally why Gonzalo Ramos would be going for 80 million. That's why Darwin Nunes went for 80 million after two good seasons at Benfica as well, uh, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, but yeah, just to finish off the podcast, I'm going to stick to just two games that's coming up on Sunday. Um, we'll go with Man United versus Southampton. Raheel, are you going to the game Sunday? I'm not, no. Um, last, game I went to, yeah, last game I went to was Leicester. I've been offered tickets for tomorrow, but can't go due to work. But um, yeah, I would have loved to go on the weekend, but unfortunately can't get a ticket, mate. What's your score prediction for Sunday? Um, see, it's a tough one. I believe in the team, and I'll be honest, it's probably not the player so much, but I believe in Ten Hag to actually have a reaction, us come back and blow Southampton out of the water, playing at Old Trafford, where we have had an amazing record this season. Um, so I'm gonna go with a 3 1 Manchester United win. Nicely done, Sunny. I know I don't want to, I don't want to step on your turf here with your match day previews that you do, uh, <laughs> but give, give us an exclusive what we're we gonna go for on Sunday. I think it's I think it's a perfect game for us to be honest with you. The reason I say that is because other than you know Southampton beating Chelsea, I mean I know they beat Leicester, who aren't you know having the best season. You Southampton know, lost... in 19th, two different managers as exactly. well. Exactly, they lost to Leeds as well before before that Southampton game. They lost to Grimsby as well at home in the cup. I think it's a perfect game for us to be honest with you to come back at home punish them I'm going 3-1 Man United might be 4 but again that might be me just being deluded because I said 3-1 Man United against Liverpool and that didn't come to fruition so we'll see but as Raheel said and I, as a great man the Tinder Swindler wants well, me he might not be a great man but the Tinder Swindler wants <laughs> it for every action there is a reaction and we need a reaction come Sunday it's true we definitely do perfectly said perfectly said Salem, your Sunday game, you're playing against David Moyes and West Ham United, who I want to see go down. I do want to see West Ham go down. Do you know how funny it would be if West Ham go down instead of if West Ham, Southampton and Bournemouth go down? It'd be so funny to see David Moyes get relegated again. I don't like David Moyes, as you know, Raheel. But now you know, Sunny, that I don't like David Moyes a lot. Um, what are we saying, Salem? Do you reckon Unai Emery can uh, trounce this West Ham United side? Yeah, you know, since Emery's come in, it's been a case of just breaking curses for him. He broke the Man United at home curse, which was 27 years ago, a win against United at home, which I think was 3-1 as well. 
Um, the next one was, I think it was sort of um, winning an away game. Well, actually, the away games weren't bad. It was um, winning in the third kit. We'd not won a game in our third kit for like, I think, two or three seasons or something like that. You should just stop making third kits then for the sake of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Stop selling that. it. And then the, um, the other curse that we broke was... Um, I can't remember what the other one was, but I know I know one's against David Moyes. We've not beaten West Ham in fifteen games. I think it is the last time we beat them was. Yeah, I mean you can probably work out who was. I think Luke Young scored the winner. That's how long ago it was. Twenty eleven, ten eleven. That's how long ago it was. And against Moyes, you know he's undefeated against us in maybe like eight games or something like that. So something like that. I can't remember the stats. So yeah, it's been a like case of just breaking curses for Emery, and I feel like this is another one that he should he should do, and we can keep this consistency going. Nicely done. Score prediction: two uh, 0 Villa. Two 0 Villa. Nicely done. I'd say that's the end of the podcast, and I thought it went better than expected because Salim kept his seven jokes to himself, which I loved, and I was surrounded by Man United fans. And it's good to see Raheel back on the podcast. Of what two years now, Raheel? Yeah, two years. It took it took you to load Zoom after two years. <laughs> hopefully you're back next week and we'll get to have a no, bit definitely. more consistently it's good definitely. to see you again and Sani it was very good to have you on as a guest for the first time on this podcast as well hopefully I get to see you more at Old Trafford and um, Rahil is a boxing fan as well so before you leave Sani just uh, why don't you promote your your Instagram page again and what you do for boxing as well yeah sure so um, the Instagram Sani underscore that sports guy I'm on YouTube as well Sani dash that sports guy like um, Hamza mentioned at the start of the show cover all sports boxing's obviously one of them do a lot of um, promotions for boxers as well. Um, do a lot of previews. Do a lot of skits and reels as well. Funny you go to fact. a lot of boxing events as yeah, well. Yeah, go to a lot of boxing events, which I vlog. All my vlogs are on YouTube. So, um, yeah. Are you going on Saturday to the one in Liverpool? Um, yeah, so I'm going. So, it's funny. I've got a hectic day. So, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to the Man United Betis game. Saturday, uh, Liverpool MS Bank Arena. Akib Fiaz, who's fighting. I've done a promo for him. Mm. Um, and then Sunday... I'm going to the Man United Southampton game. So it's going to be hectic. It's going to be a hectic couple of days. Good stuff. Make sure the snow doesn't suffer you as well when you're, when you're traveling up and down. I know what the rail strikes are like and it's awful right of course, now. Of course. Absolutely painful. Um, but yeah, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Uh, do love uh, getting back into uh, talking about Manchester United, even though we are not in the best of forms at the moment. But um, Rahil, Salim, Sali, thank you for your time. And we'll speak to you next time. See you later, guys. Take care. Thank you.